Hello, everybody. This is Gino Johnson, CEO of Champions for Veterans, and I am so excited to uh, uh, thank you so much and welcome you to listen to the Convos with Heroes podcast, where we talk to heroes who are just doing amazing things in the world. Uh, but before we get into today's interview, I want to, of course, say hey to my dad. Hey, dad, how you doing today, sir? Hey, son, I am great, man. We got a phenomenal American hero ready to rock and roll. I know Mike is ready to tell his story, so I can't wait to hear it. Absolutely. I agree. Mike, Mike is really uh, amazing. He's got a, a great bio here and I'm looking forward to hearing this story as well. Uh, so to kind of get you guys an intro to who Mike is, I'll go ahead and read, read through his intro and his bio. Mike Schindler is a U.S. Navy veteran, an award-winning author, the national podcast host of The Military Wire, which features interviews with some of America's most elite men and women who have mm -hmm. served this country and executive producer of It's VUCA. The Secret to Living in the 21st Century documentary that features 15 of our nation's top experts on how to navigate chaotic times. He has been featured in USA Today, CBS Radio, Entrepreneur Radio, The Lars Larson Show, The Boston Globe, Q13 Fox, Yahoo Finance, and others. Mike is known throughout the US as a subject matter expert on leadership development, government relations, and veteran transition issues. Mike is a great a guest writer for several national publications and the author of two books, U.S. Veterans in the Workforce, Why the 7% Are America's Greatest Asset, and Operation Military Family, which is endorsed by retired General Tommy Franks and retired General Peter Chiarelli. Mike, thank you so much for being on with us today. How Man, I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. And every time I hear that intro, you know, my little bio, I'm like, did I really do all that stuff? I mean, that's just crazy. It's a, I guess if you live that long... You know, you start looking back and you go, ah, okay, I guess I've done a few things. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be with you guys. Totally. Awesome. Awesome. Pleasure, sir. Pleasure to have you for sure. Well, yeah. We're going to jump into it, man. We're going to jump into it. We were having a good time before we started recording, Mike. And, you know, I'm an old storyteller, brother. So you're living up in the great Northwest. I told you I was, that was my first duty station, Fort Lewis, Washington, yep. uh, back in 1980, which is hard for me to believe that was 42 years ago. Uh, yep. I don't know if I looked that old or that young anyway. But, man, give us your story, man. Tell us about your dad, military service, and growing yeah. up. And kind, of, kind of bring us forward that way. Yeah. So, you know, I think all of us, when we're born, we try to figure out, you know, why the heck am I here? Right. You know, so yeah. I was, I was that kid, you know, growing up in Alaska, I uh, grew up on Perry Mason. So I thought I was going to be like, you know, Perry Mason or Disney character. That was like, you know, my dad was like, you can watch like, you know, three TV shows and it was either 60 minutes, you know, Perry Mason or Disney. So I didn't know which of the three I was going to be, but um, it, you know, he was a civil engineer, grew up in Alaska, great childhood up there, you know, uh, just amazing experience. Um, had a pretty strong idea that I joined the military because I wanted to give back, it was just kind of part of our culture growing up around the installations yeah. base. And um, in 87, though, I, you know, here I was 17 years old and, and uh, I was like every teenage boy at 17, you know, high on testosterone, nothing. I knew everything. Wasn't anything I couldn't do, you know, uh, but I was walking into this theater and I, I was like, man, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Like, what am I going to do with my life? Right. I mean, how many of us know people like we know people that are sitting at 40, they're still asking that question, but right. But at 17, I was like, man, I got to do something. I watched this movie and I knew exactly what I was going to do after I watched the movie. I mean, 100%. Like, I walked out, I got on a payphone. That was back in the days of the payphone. And, you know, my mom and dad are at the, the beach, and I call my dad, and I'm like, man, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And he's like, what are you going to do? And I tell him, and uh, I, I said, Dad, I got it, man. I'm going to be Tom Cruise. I'm going to fly cool jets, and I'm going to date Kelly McGillis. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Top Gun came out, sold me on the Navy. I walk into the recruiter's office. My dad's like, whatever you do, don't sign any paperwork, right? So I, I go down to the recruiter's office that guy's just, you know, that chief is just sitting there in his dress, press whites looking so, I mean, looking amazing. Right. I walk in and I kind of glance at the Marine Corps. Cause I'm like, man, they got such, you know, they got amazing uniforms. Right. right. But you know, I'm like, nah, I'm Tom Cruise, baby. I walk into that and no lie guys, no lie. I walk in 17. I'm a teenage boy. 
right? I walk in, I look at that guy and Ranger and Gino, I look him right in the eye and I'm like, you need to know, I am Tom Cruise and I will date Kelly McGillis and I will fly your cool jets. And that recruiter is like, come sit down here with a big smile on his face, right? <laughs> and sure enough, sold me on the Navy. And that Saturday, that Saturday, we went and played volleyball. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am totally sold. So if you guys remember the movie, they played volleyball and I'm thinking this right. whole movie is coming true. Right. And uh, it was true for me until I got to boot camp. And then I'm like, that part wasn't in the movie. So uh, right. yeah, but I, amazing experience in the Navy. Uh, Fast-tracked out of the Navy, got into startups. Uh, you know, my wife and I met in college. You know, we've been together 28 years. Um, and then, you know, just a series of events that have led me to where I am today. You know, running a, a major nonprofit, Operation Military Family, that, you know, works on people's mission, purpose, identity after they get out. Like, right. who am I, you know, after right. I get out? Like, we don't know, right? We don't know why am I here? What am I supposed to do? And who am I? Uh, once that you know rank is stripped, you know a lot of guys struggle. So we said, no, we're going to focus on who you are. Why did God put you here? We're going to figure that piece out. And um, and uh, yeah, I got you know roped into the film industry by Chris Nolan, and uh, you know that's how we made a film over COVID. You know, yeah. some people got fat, and I made a film. So yeah. you know, let's go back to this piece, man, because oh, it's so fascinating. Second. Before you move on to that, he said Christopher Nolan, who's my probably my favorite director. Well, there's two of them, Gino. So every time I throw the Chris Nolan name, like there's Batman, right? So Chris Nolan and Chris Nolan, they both live in Hollywood. They both know each other. The Chris Sean Nolan that I work with, um, he works with du Disney and Google and done a lot of different films, but he's not the Batman Dunkirk Chris Nolan that uh, sometimes people confuse themselves with. But Okay. If you saw his stuff, you'd still love the guy. He's been in Hollywood 30 years. It's pretty amazing. Okay. I was thinking Inception is my favorite movie of all time. So, okay. Well, oh, well it's one of Chris, <laughs> Chris's favorite too, even though he didn't make that one. But uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I have no idea who he is, but thank you guys for telling me that. <laughs> but, 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 but look here, I, I do. Let's go back to, uh, as a, as a veteran who, you know, I, you know, kind of like you, I went in at 17, um, uh, and I did 20, I retired at 37. But I'm going to go back to one of the points you made, Mike, because I really want you to emphasize this. I was that veteran who was a lifer. You know, I was yep. going to do 20 years. And as I got closer to my 20 years, I was the guy that said, I don't know what's wrong with these guys. Uh, I'm going to get out and rock and roll, man. Uh, you know, can't wait to get out. Can't wait to retire. I'm ready to go, blah, blah, blah. Something strange happened to me, Mike. I had a big retirement ceremony at Fort Bragg. My mom came, my grandmother came, everybody in my family came to, from Texas to Fort Bragg to my graduation. And it was great. And I was standing up there with the commander and I got my retirement award and, you know, the American flag. And, and I felt like a hero on retirement day. And yeah. Monday came around. And I'll never forget waking up Monday morning for the first time, not knowing what to put on. Yeah. Like literally not like, okay, uh, not having really civilian clothes, had workout clothes and blue jeans. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and 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 my wife said, "Okay, you got to go for a job interview." Oh, didn't think about that part. Yeah. And the level for two years, I literally fumbled around trying to figure out who I was without the uniform, because my whole adult life—if you ask me who I was—I was a ranger. I was a Green Beret, I was a drill sergeant, Ranger Johnson. Now all of a sudden I'm a retiree with no responsibility. Yeah. And you got to talk about that piece. How did you work there? Because I want to hear that story. Yeah, yeah. Very real, right? I mean, the military is so good at like assigning mission purpose identity, right? Like when I was in the Navy, I knew exactly like, okay, my purpose is to help save the world from bad people. Okay, very right. clear, knew it every day. My job is to help save the world from bad people, right? My mission was whatever commander's intent is, right? And my identity was my rank, right? That's who I was, right? I, I mean, that was clear. Everybody knew it. You get out. And I, I was the same. I was like, man, I'm getting out and I'm going to crush it. It's going to be amazing. High octane team coming from the Navy. This is going to be amazing. Awesome. I get out 14 jobs later, right? 
Seriously, no lie. 14 jobs later, my mom thought, oh my God, my son needs therapy, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, and I'm sitting there like speed dating through jobs because I'm like, well, that sounds good. And, you know, the thing about military is, is we can do anything, right? I mean, that's our mindset. It's like, there's nothing I can't do. So somebody would go, hey, could you do that? And you're like, yeah, I could totally do that. And then you get into it and you're like, oh my God, how long do I have to do this? They're like, well, you know, as long as you want. You're like, no, like I'm, I can quit. Yeah, you can totally quit. Okay, I'm out. I mean, so I got down to the point, no lie, Ranger, where uh, I, I remember this clearly. Um, I had $14 in my pocket, right? $14 in my pocket. And right. my buddy Buzz, who's one of the guys that changed my life, uh, I, I was starting, you know, our Operation Military Family because my buddy deployed to Afghanistan and that's how I kind of wrote my first book. He was the officer in charge of all the medical facilities over there. And, and uh, we ended up interviewing like 92 couples and I had just transitioned out of this job working in startups and I, I was still floundering. Like, I, you know, I was chasing money. I was doing things, you know, probably drinking too much, doing all the stuff that you shouldn't be doing, right? And it had that hole in my soul. And uh, the, the market fell flat in the real estate side because we had real estate software and, and uh, I was still like, man, who the heck am I? And I got $14 in my pocket, you know, company folded. And my buddy Buzz is like, man, you got to meet this guy, Jim. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll go meet this guy, Jim. And he's, he's like, how much money you got? And I got, I'm like, I got 14 bucks. So, right. Like this was a trend, like 14 jobs, $14. Like I'm thinking, man, 14 is not my lucky number. So I got, I got $14, seriously, no, $14. And he goes, okay, great. I got 20 bucks. I'll pay for parking in Seattle. You cover lunch. And so we're driving down. And since you're familiar with the Seattle area, we're driving yeah. down I-5. We stop at Dick's next to University of Washington. And my buddy Buzz is like six foot two, six foot three, something like that, big guy. And he orders like everything on the menu, right? Like, I mean, and I'm calculating in my head, like, oh my God. So I get up there and I'm like, man, I just want a dry burger, no bun. Like just, right. And she goes, okay, great. $17. And I'm like, you know, now, so I'm used to, you know, at least having some level of authority and position, even in corporate, you know, working my way through. And now I got to like tell this college student, like you got to take back some cheeseburgers. And I'm like, I think you got to take something off. And she goes, I got you. I got you. And my buddy Buzz said something to change my life. He said, he, uh, I'm standing there and I'm like, okay, you gotta, you gotta give it back. And uh, she goes, no, I gotta cover it. We'll go ahead and cover it. Go ahead and take it. Right. And uh, Buzz looks at me, he goes, don't ever forget to get, give God thanks for your blessings. That's favor right there. And we get in the car, we get down there and I meet this guy, Jim and Jim changed my life as well. And we took our next company to a um, couple million dollars and $14 to a couple million dollars was my original story. And um, it, it just transformed my life. But it, it took that $14 that I invest in burgers, right? A belief system, like I'm giving it all, right? And that is how I got in this whole area of mission purpose identity is who am I? Like I had to really figure out why am I here? Like, okay, now that the uniform's gone, like who am I? We do not spend enough time doing that work. We spend a lot of time teaching people how to build resumes and all this other stuff. But the key is, can you tell me, can you seriously tell me what does it mean to have your best year financially? Can you tell me what it means to have your best year spiritually? Can you tell me what it means to have your best year relationally? Can you tell me what it means to have your best year emotionally? If you can tell me those circumstances can punch you in the face and you'll be like, that's okay, but I know where I need to go. Wow. Right. Yeah. You know what, Mike, it's just a great conversation, brother. You brought up something and our stories are so just parallel, man. My wife will tell you, I didn't have 14 jobs, but I probably had five or six and I was pretty mm -hmm. much the same way. Right. Yeah. You start a little bit. Oh, I'm out of here in two or three days and you start something else. And we built our, our, our company, you know, on, on one Bible verse, Proverbs 18, 16, that mm. the man's gift making room for him to bring it to him before great men. Mm. And I had to Love figure it. out what it was I did, what I did, what I could do to bring value and service. 
and as motivational speaker and leadership training, that's what I've done now for, for over 20 years. So it's fascinating, man, that, that finally. So this is a question for you. So now you finally get to that, that company, you, you're going. And how was it, man, to go from $14 to $2 million, though? I mean, oh, it's hard work. What mindset shift did you have to do to get to that? Because that's come on, man, fourteen dollars for two million. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of investment. A lot of you know, I mean, it, it was a lot of struggle. Ranger getting there, right? You know, I mean, it, it wasn't like it just fell in our lap. Like it was it was long nights, painful nights. There's pieces of the story that, you know, when I had that fourteen dollars, I was losing my big house. Right. Uh, so we went through a foreclosure. We went through, um, I mean, it, it, we went through things that a lot of people are not willing to go through. Right. And my wife is just resilient. Like, God bless her. Like, she's willing to, you know, like, okay, I'm trusting you. And I'm like, well, I think I'm trusting God. And if that ain't God and that's Satan, man, I'm going to be mad. So, uh, it, you know, just, but just moving forward, how do you do it? I, I, I guess. Something that spurred it, Ranger and Gino, was I, I was I remember when we were developing this software that later kind of became part of the foundation for my health debt. Okay, so that that was kind of where it it was a foundation for it. We were probably way ahead of our time. We were probably about eight years ahead of our time before the VA really said, "Hey, we're going to automate all this stuff," and we were doing it in the you know 2013 14 period of time. Okay, so they were still really like. Meh, people will never put anything online because you know people will get it and you know the i was on a radio interview and the host said it sounds like you want to make money off the backs of veterans that's what she said and, and i said well that's interesting to me uh, since i am one uh and, and she said well how much money do you want to make and i said well 100 million dollars now I, I had never even put a thought to how much money I wanted to make. But that's why I think it's important that people understand what does it mean to have your best year financially, right? So I was spitballing it. Like, I think this was a Holy Spirit moment for me because she's like, well, how much money do you want to make? And I'm like, $100 million. And she's like, $100 million. And I'm like, yeah, $100 million, a dollar for every life I impact. And it just changed the whole interview. And it actually changed me because my focus went off of money at that very moment into impact. And so it suddenly I went, okay, money matters, but impact is vital. So how do I continue to make impact? If I just need to make a dollar for every life I impact, then I know what my mission is, which is impact, is impact 100 million people. Mike, I'm trying to sit here and be cool, man, but you're part of me and my son's conversation just about every day about what we do, uh, you know, in Champions for Veterans with Helping Vets, because if you can help enough people, I, I was blessed and fortunate enough to speak for Zig Ziglar at the Zig Ziglar Corporation. Mm. You know, wow, we what a legend. Yeah. I mean, incredible day going to Zig Ziglar Corporation speaking, but I'll never forget Zig would always say, if you help enough people get what they want, you don't have to worry about getting what you want. Yeah. And it sounds like you've tapped into that service thing. And, bro, you got, I mean, look, I'm taking a little bit of time on this because I'm so fascinated with it. <laughs> this is really part of it. I know we want to jump to something else, but I got to go back to this. As you learned about serving others during that interview. Yeah. What are some of the changes that you do that maybe were small or big as you move your business and your mindset for, cause I get it, man. Look, I've been, a, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I started in the army. It was all about making money. I, I've sold everything, pills, potions, lotions, insurance. I'm the sales guy. I've done a yeah. lot of that stuff. So I get it, but it took a minute for my brain to move from selling, selling, selling to serving, serving, serving. Yeah. That took probably two decades for me. Talk about that shift for you. Yeah. So it, it, it again became reflection, right? Okay. For me, introspection, which was like, I could sell anything to Ranger, like, you know, Gino, I mean, you know, that's why I had 14 jobs. People are like, Hey, you're so good with people. And I'm like, yeah. And then I get into the product. I'm like, 
I got to do this forever. Like I, I, you know, I wanted to be about transformation. Like, you know, God put me on this planet for a reason. I don't think it's to sell software. I don't think it's to, you know, um, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we all have our calling, right? So for me, it became, how do I change somebody's life? Like truly change their life. Like, what can I do? You know, and, and, you know, I offer it, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of a smile, but for me, it was, and getting back into the tribe of working with our military and veteran families was honestly, these guys get out, they're well-skilled, they've got skills, ability, training, things that set them apart. They're part of the 7% club, right? By the time you get out, right? I mean, you've accomplished something that 93% of Americans have not, which is service to this country in uniform, families included, right? Because we all know that that's a chaotic environment. And yet they get out and then they struggle, right? It's, we've known this. And yet, you know, we come up with all these programs about how to improve your resume. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not where it sits because that's why guys transition out of jobs. You got to get to the core. Like, why are you here? Like, what's your purpose? And so there is so much joy that I get when I sit down with somebody and go, okay, let's talk about, I'm going to give you, I'll never forget it. I don't want to give the guys that position away, but high profile Let's just say that, you know, he commanded an installation and I'm sitting in his office and, um, you know, you know, he's maybe a couple stars, three stars. And I I said, well, I'll tell you the one question that stumps everybody. And he goes, well, what's that one question? Now, this guy's seen combat. This guy's led men. He's I mean, he's like, you know, yeah, he's no small potatoes. And I said, the one question is this. What does it mean to have your best year ever? Spiritually, financially, emotionally, mentally, relationally. What does it mean to have your best year? And he goes, I've never been asked that question. And I'm like, I know, because the military has always assigned your best year. I get it. You've never had the ability to think about what your best year is. The military has said, let me tell you, this is what your best year looks like. And you're like, all right, boy, this year may, may or may not, right? But how many people, I don't care if it's your churches, synagogues, Safeways, you name it, right? And you ask your neighbor, what does it mean to have your best year? They'll look at you like that's a foreign question. Like, I don't know, I've never put any thought. I'm just, but that's why 70% of people in jobs today are struggling. That's why your churches are filled with people that, man, Jesus, just take the will. I agree with that 100%. But Jesus always gave you the the ability to go ahead and transform your sphere around you. Mm -hmm. But that starts with knowing who you are and why you're here. What's your mission, purpose, and identity is. Figure that out, and the world opens its doors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we always talk about, and I say we, my son and I talk about, we don't even have a job doing what we do to help veterans. Yeah, I love it. it's, It's so fulfilling to man we talk to people you know like yourself and and great americans think about doing this every day right yeah you know in some capacity whether it's a podcast or helping a guy get his va benefits or you know asking answering a question or talking to our team and so this is what our life looks like now and it's so fascinating to talk to you so i want to ask you a question um when is the last time you had a job that you didn't like and how does it look now doing what you're doing now? I've been unemployable. I joke about that. Unemployable. Uh, what's a day? 12 years. Wow. 12 years where, you know, and some, some years are amazing. And other years you're like, God, thank you for my daily bread. Right. Uh, but he's always provided, uh, maybe not in the, the way, shape, or form that I wanted, right? And I think sometimes we get lost in that too, right? Um, in that, well, here's my vision. And God goes, I appreciate your vision. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what my vision is. <laughs> and yeah. Just come into alignment, right? So it, it takes a discipline. I tell folks, like, if you want to go on your own, you feel compelled to move to do it, then do it and understand that it just because you follow that vision, that passion in your soul, doesn't mean you're not going to have hardship, trials, circumstances that hit you in your face. You got to be ready for it. But when the vision is big, 
the circumstances don't matter. Mm-hmm. But you gotta you gotta believe that. And I, Ranger and Gino, I'd love to say that I am like happy-go-lucky guy around my house all the time. But if my wife was here, she'd be like, "Are you kidding?" There's moments that I have those doubtful moments, right? Where I'm like, oh man, maybe I should just go back into corporate and maybe things would work out. And and then I talk to, you know, I'm working with so many guys that are in corporate that they're like, oh my gosh, right? And I'm thinking if I was in corporate, I couldn't do my Tuesday Holy Smokes crew with a bunch of the guys that sit around, you know, the big campfire and, you know, smoke cigars and drink wine and fellowship and talk about, you know, the things they want to get off the chefs. I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be able to, you know, drop something at a moment's notice and go sit with a guy at a coffee shop that may be struggling. Like I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. So, you know, you have to know why you're here. Mm, mm. Otherwise, if you don't, you will chase everything, right? The world has been so good at teaching us if then, if I just Mm. get this job, then I'll be happy. If I just get that girl, I'll just be happy. If I just get that guy, then I'll be happy. And it, the if then it is, it, it's a mistress that demands your whole entire life. You'll never be happy. Wow. Let's talk about your leadership development, man, because I'm really excited to talk about that with you, Mike. And specifically, you talked about the 7%, and I want to get you to jump in there a little bit more. Yeah. But, but tell me, man, you know, leadership development is something that I've been intrigued with my entire life. Um, I can remember my, while in the military, of course, I, you know, in the army drill sergeant school, ranger school, ranger battalion, I was a green beret yeah. for 11 years. And our job was to train, you know, folks overseas. So I've, and then of course, retiring, I've had a chance to do a lot of speaking various corporations. Uh, and I love learning. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm writing while you're talking, I'm writing notes, brother. I mean, don't, 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 yeah. you're talking, you see me looking down, I'm writing notes. Talk about leadership development and, and however you want to talk about it from the basics to the big or whatever you want to say about it. Yeah. I just want to hear what you have about teaching leadership development. Yeah, everything rises and falls on leadership, right? So I think we see that. Right. And it, it does. It truly does. We, we understand what a great leader is. We understand what a bad leader is. And I think the greatest form of leadership is servant leadership. In the military, one of the things I'll say about the military, the military is so good in cultivating leaders, right? Now, not all are great leaders, okay, no question. Uh, but that's like any organization. Yeah. But, but leadership really has to do with, you know, leading. There, there's a saying that, um, you know, people say, well, I'm a leader. And I'm like, well, how many people are following me? You know, right? They're like, I got nobody following me. I'm like, well, you're not really a leader at that point, right? You're just kind of a leader of one. But leadership is all about helping other people achieve what it is they want. That's leader leadership, right? If you look at Jesus as a model, one of the best books I ever read, okay, was by Dr. Miles Monroe, okay, called The, the Principles of Power of Vision, right? Mm-hmm. Amazing book. It's actually what I built my programs off of. Uh, I've got it on my bookshelf. I read it every year. It is such a powerful, powerful book. Dr. Miles Monroe, he, he kind of, I, I, I elevated what he talked about. Okay, if that makes sense. Okay, leadership is going into an individual or an organization, leadership and family. What does that mean? Okay, now remember, I already kind of gave you the clue. Okay, was, you know, what does it mean to have my best year? personally and professionally. So when it comes into leadership, it's like, well, what, what's your goals for your people? Mm. Okay. What are your goals for you personally? Okay. Mm-hmm. What are your goals? Uh, morale and profits. Companies hinge on morale and profits. Two things. People ask me all the time, Mike, what is the secret to helping companies? I said two things. They only care about two things, morale and profits. I've never been proven wrong on this. Now, people will want to debate some of the other aspects of what's really important inside of a company. But I will tell you that everything hinges on morale and profits. You want to increase your profits, improve your morale, okay? Get your team to own it. There's a great story, 1961, 62, I think it was, JFK is going through uh, visiting NASA. And uh, he kind of takes a, 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 just a, he he kind of peels off from the entourage and he sees a guy over there mopping the floors, right? And he goes over there and he asks this guy, he says, uh, what's your job here at NASA? 
And he looks at him and he says, Mr. President, my job here is to help put a man on the moon. That's leadership, right? Somebody inside of NASA said, I don't care your task, okay? Your job, your mission is to help put a man on the moon. And you happen to be doing that by sweeping the floors and mopping the floors, right? So he wasn't a janitor. So that's leadership, is getting people to buy into the vision. Mm -hmm. But you have to know individually, personally, professionally, what the vision is. Most mm -hmm. companies don't. Most employees don't. Okay, mm -hmm. Leadership is helping people identify, how are you helping change the world? And I don't care if that's in your family life or in your professional mm -hmm. life, but that's leadership. And our goal is to always help people understand how they are impacting, influencing in a positive way, changing the world. No, that's that's phenomenal. I mean, you, my son and I had a, a two-hour conversation this morning about some of the same stuff. So I'm loving the class and I'm writing notes all the way. Talk about this seven percent club. You yeah. Talk about the military being seven percent. Give us a little bit more information about that and how you convey that message, maybe to uh, corporations to hire vets or deal with vets or you know however you want to want to talk about it. Yeah, so the 7% club was something that I realized, you know, there's fewer than 1% of, uh, you know, Americans that serve in the military on active duty, right? The number is like, it could even be closer to half a percent now. I mean, it's it's low, right? The, the, the amount of individuals that are on active duty. So you think about that, you know, you've got these men and women who are serving on the front lines to ensure our safety, our way of life, et cetera, right? Less than 1% that are on active duty. That's their call, Right. Then you graduate people out existing today, still alive today, a little less than 7%, okay? But a 7% who have worn the uniform. Oftentimes, we get so caught up in the stigmas and the media message that people talk about veterans, right? It's only a good story if it's bad news. And we hear about veterans and PTS, veterans and TBI, veterans and, you know, you know, jobs and veterans, you know, substance abuse and veterans, right? All this stuff. But what we fail to realize as veterans even sometimes is that's not our story. Mm -hmm. Our story is we've accomplished something that 93% of Americans chose not to. We joined something and said, listen, I'm gonna go ahead and give away my constitutional rights and I'm gonna go ahead and surrender myself under the UCMJ. And I'm gonna go ahead and do things that uh, you're not willing to do. And I'm gonna learn skills, trades, abilities, a way of thinking, a mindset, okay? that it makes me incredibly invaluable. And I don't care if you're an E4 that gets out, the government invested no less than $50,000 into you, probably a lot more than that, mm -hmm. okay? And so if you retire out, you're a million dollars, couple million dollars plus Ranger, you've probably like a $5 million, $6 million man, you're like the bionic man, right? So when corporations realize this, they go, wait a second, yeah, but maybe he's rigid thinking. Are you kidding? Like, these are the things I have, you know, with these corporate execs and HR people, like, what? Well, we love our military guys, but, you know, they kind of be, they're kind of rigid in their thinking. I'm like, no, no, no. That's your perspective. That's probably your perception. But let me tell you how it works. Like, it was like, here's your mission. Get it done. Guess what that meant? I had a lot of flexibility, right? Fixed, fixed on the mission flexible on the method yeah fixed on the mission flexible on the method so when i go into org organizations and companies and like well talk to us about our military guys i'm like these are guys that figure it out these guys are your problem solvers number one problem solver right a friend of mine uh tim he now owns bone frog sellers and bone frog coffee amazing company their company gives back to uh the the families of fallen seals great company um, premium wine, premium coffee. It's it's wonderful. But I remember when he first got out and Tim and I sat down, he goes, Mike, here's my problem. 25 years with teams. Um, every time I put that on my resume, people are like, oh, great. You're really good at counting people. Or um, how can you help us do what it is we want? And I said, well, Tim, you're brilliant. The nation understood that you were the guy to drop into the middle of a very difficult situation and you'd figure out and help solve it. And he's like, you're right. And I'm like, you just take that skill, that training, that ability, that thinking into the corporate sector. That's your, that's your battlefield. Figure it out. Just say, give me the problem. I'll figure it out. I can solve it. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, but we have so. to realize that as veterans. Mm -hmm. Right? And we also have to realize that, you know, it, you're not going to start out making six figures. You might, but understand that, you know, if I'm going to go back in the military today, they'd be like, hey, Mike, I understand that you've done a number of different things. And we'd like to offer you the role of, uh, you know, a Navy captain, because we think, you know, you could be a captain. And you laugh, right? You know, you laugh and you'd be like, yeah, never happened. No, right. No, no. And we get guys that come out and they're like, yeah, yeah but I should be yeah. excellent. Like, but you got to remember, you got to do your boot camp and <laughs> you got to be willing to start, you know, you don't have to start at the bottom, yeah. but you got to be willing to, you know, yeah. you got to earn your stripes. Yes. And it's very, very different. You know, my wife used to tell me all the time, you know, when I first got out of the military, baby, this is not the army. And I'd be like, I wouldn't listen. Hey man, yeah. I'm a Green Beret. I'm a Ranger. You know, yeah. they make movies about the stuff that I did. Rambo. I'm the real thing, right? <laughs> I, I'm the real guy, right? That's right. And boy, did I learn. It's very, very different. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I it had to adapt to the civilian uh, world, be able to communicate in that fashion. And you know, it was it, it took me a while, you know. But the great thing is. Uh, we we kind of we built something we learned. I'm gonna let my son jump in with a question here because I can see him him jumping at the bit and he's writing some notes. <laughs> Anything, son? Man, you know I'm just really enjoying this conversation. I feel like if I start adding too much, I take away from what Mike has to share. So I, I'm I'm just listening. <laughs> I got you. So Mike, let's get to this, man. I I, I got a couple more questions for you. And I, man, this is, I say a couple more, I'm probably lying. I got about 10 or 15, but <laughs> that's great. A couple, you're, we'll, we'll conversation. speed through the questions. Yeah. Hey, this never ends with me, man. I love leadership. Yeah. Give, give, give us an example, man, of another success, you know, because all leaders, you talked about this. If no one's following you, you're probably not a leader. Yeah. So you don't have to give the name, but give us an example of a team or some people that you helped and where they were before you started teaching them and leading them and, and what they ended up, you know, somebody other than yourself. So if you'd like to share that, man, we want, we want to listen to that. Yeah. So we actually looked at that. Like, so when we started the nonprofit um, 10 years ago, it's our 10th year this year, when we started the nonprofit, we looked at the number and we're just shy of helping personally serve 10,000 individuals. Right. Yeah. So a thousand, almost it averaged almost a thousand a year. That was the average. Certainly the first couple of years were not a thousand people a year. Right. Um, so it kind of built up to that. But the, uh, I would tell you, it's the individual stories. It's the ones that, you know, when they're transitioning out, whether it's through hire our heroes or whether it's through, you know, an organization, which, you know, if you visit the website, Operation Military Family, you can see some of the, you know, organizations that we've helped. But it's the individuals that come to me that I'll run across maybe five years later or three years later that go, Mike, you, you don't understand, but you changed my life. Wow. And like, wow, well, walk me through how we did that. And he goes, well, you, you said this and you did this and you helped me understand this. And Gino and Ranger really comes down to helping guys just understand who they are, right? Like, I, like if you want me to send you a resume, like you'll look at my resume and go, that sucks because I'm not a resume guy. I'm about how you're going to help. I, I'm like, you need to go into it. I'll give you my secret, okay? We do something called the rule of five. Okay, now the rule of five is a very powerful tool. I actually have trained my daughters on how to use it in a dating scenario too, okay? But the rule of five was something that I got from Jim, the guy Jim that helped change my life. Uh, he sat down, we were, in, we were in this coffee shop in Bellevue and uh, he said, Mike, you know, this business plan, what we wanna do with this company, et cetera, this is amazing. I think this would be pretty good. So, um, you know, and I'm a little nervous because I'm thinking I got to pitch him, right? I got to raise this money. And he's like, so let me tell you, I, um, let me give you five reasons why I think we should do business together. Now, remember, I'm the guy wanting the money. And the guy who has all the money is looking at me saying, let me give you five reasons why I think we should do business together. And then, Ranger and Gino, somebody that has the money is looking at you saying, let me give you five reasons why you think you should do business together. What would you do? You don't need five, you just need one. <laughs> right, right. So I'm like, are you kidding? So he gives me the five and I'm like, he's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, I, yeah, I mean, yes. And he's like, well, wait a second. 
let me give you five reasons why you might not want to do business with me. And I will tell you that that's how I also built the leadership program around this, because that rule of five is what guys and gals remember, is I teach how to incorporate the rule of five in your own life. So what does that mean if you're looking at a job? Well, what, where are the five areas that you're going to add value? Right? Where are the five areas you're going to add value? Now, you have to prove it. You can't just be, I'm a great communicator, and I'm good with people, and yeah, so is everybody else. you got to prove where you're going to actually add value. Like, you got to have proof, like a lawyer. Like, prove it to me, right? But then what I want you to do is I want you to evaluate five reasons why you should run like hell from that job. Why is it? 80% travel, won't be home with a family. What are the things that are going to be detractors, right? Now, if you can flip those bottom five into negotiation points and, and those help you move the needle on your best year, see what I just did? You need to know, know what your best year is. But if you move that needle on your best year, Okay, then that might be the best fit job for you. So how do you use it in the dating world, right? Well, I told my daughter, I said, when you sit down with a guy and he says, hey, yeah, I think we should date. You go, great. Tell me the five reasons why you think we should date. Right? Hear him out. And then say, well, tell me the five reasons why I might not want to date you. I want you to get that guy to really think introspective, right? Like, don't be enamored by, you know, good looks and great charm because and I tell you what, we all see the headlines on those guys. So, yeah. right. But we can wow. do that in our relationships. We can do that in our business world. And the rule of five is really what's helped transform people's lives. So if they remember, yeah, discovering your post-service identity, mission purpose identity, that's our core. But people will typically say the rule of five to help change my life. So, I, man, you're giving so much information. I know you've written a couple of books. You have a company. Take some time now. And at the end, we'll let you do it again. But I want you to give your website or where people can buy your books and give that yeah. kind of detail. Now, I know my son will put it uh, put it in the, in the chat. I put it somewhere on the video. He does all that kind of stuff. I'm just an old vet talking. But give yeah. us those details, man. Yeah. So most everything that you can find that I've done is on Operation Military Family. So OpMilFam or OperationMilitaryFamily.com or .org, either one. It's a nonprofit. Uh, but we know that people always put .com, so we have that too. Um, you can find the books there. Um, the other, the, the exciting project that I'm super excited about is the documentary that we just released in March um, called It's VUCA, The Secret to Living in the 21st Century. I think you guys can see that there. Um, that was our pet project that I teamed up with Chris Nolan out of Hollywood. We were working on a different documentary, and... Uh, the changing times, uncertainty, the chaos. So VUCA, for your listeners, uh, they can find out anything they want to know about VUCA at itsvuca.com, V-U-C-A. VUCA stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And how many of us have faced that the last couple of years, right? Everything flipped upside down. I think it was one of the first times I told my wife, I said, What's interesting to me is the whole world is now experiencing what it means to be a veteran family. And she goes, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, everybody's complaining about missing birthdays and not seeing family members and schedules being upside down and everything else. I said, the whole world just went through what veterans go through every day. Right. Right. I said, that's VUCA. But the flip side to VUCA is vision, understanding, clarity, and adaptability. And it came out of the Army War College in 87 when the Soviet Union started to collapse. And so we put this whole documentary together, features General Casey, General Boykin, Major General Bob Dees, my friend Mark Devine, Rich Diveny from SEAL Team 6, uh, Stephen Kotler, Michael Hyatt. I mean, it's got like 17 of America's thought leaders in it. We shot it during COVID. Uh, and it all started with Chris Nolan giving me a challenge. He said, okay, we got to do it on VUCA. And I didn't remember what that was. Uh, and so I'm like, well, I don't even know what it is. And he's like, you're the military guy, you should know. And so I, you know, ended up doing this fast track education over the last 18 months. Um, understanding that I teach a lot of the flip side, the positive side of VUCA. But General Casey teaches it at Cornell as a master's class, the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity side. And he goes, well, just call Casey up. Now, for those of your viewers that don't know who General Casey is, he was a 36th chief of staff of the army, kind of transformed the army. Um, I met him back in 2010, I think it was 10 or 11, might've been 12 when he was uh, chief of staff of the army. And I remember going into the Pentagon and General Corelli was his vice chief. 
Um, and I remember meeting him the first time then. Well, so here it is 10 years later, right? Approximately 10 years later. And Chris is like, well, just pick up the phone and call him. And I'm like, who calls the 36th chief of staff of the army? Like, who does that? And he's right. I'm like, Chris, you're the Hollywood guy. You do it. You got three Emmys. You do it. He'll be, you know, he's like, no, no, no. You're, you're the military guy. So I did. I picked up the phone. And he phoned me back and we did a Zoom. And next thing you know, I'm sitting in his living room in Boston and interviewing him with the fan, with the crew for five hours, getting amazing footage. And that's what kicked off the film uh, that's now on wow. Amazon and Apple and everything else. And the whole goal of that film is to help people understand that there is so much opportunity in the next decade. If you can get your mind right, there is so much opportunity, but you got to learn to adapt mm. and you got to be flexible. Mm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It's fascinating because, you know, you know, as a Green Beret going through the Special Forces Qualification course, it's kind of like any of the special op courses out there. They put you through so much craziness, right? That's right. And part of it is, you know, you don't, they don't tell you what you're going to do. Yeah. They may give you a bunch of rope, tie this, and you got to move this so many miles. And they say, any questions? And then if you ask questions, they read the instructions again. And say, Go. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, 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 yeah. but it's, it's, it's adaptability. And yeah. I'll never forget, you, you remind me of one of my instructors. He had a deep voice and he was from one of the Caribbean islands. And he stood up and said, and SF Trupa is always thinking. You know, a special forces troop is always thinking. You yeah. cannot be dumb to be a green beret. <laughs> and it was like you don't know no one's gonna tell you when we drop you off in a foreign country put your left foot here put your right foot there that's, that's right. why we recruit smart people and take you through this training because you're gonna have to figure it out yeah so let me ask you this question creative thinking being able to think on your feet how how much of this man because you talked about, you know, not being a resume guy. And I love that because a lot of times, you know, people get bogged down in, in the, just the craziness of this world and having the best resume and typing up. What part of your leadership program do you just teach people, man, how to think outside the box and just create and be creative and be willing to take on the challenge of figuring things out without instructions? It, it's it, one of our core is being quick to listen, slow to speak. Right. You know, in corporate, wow. we always want to be, you know, we want to be the guy that speaks first. And my dad said, and it was funny because my dad was brilliant at this. Um, my dad said, let me tell you how, the, how you get the girl. Okay. That's, that's where I got this from. He goes, if you want to have a really good date, let her do all the talking. Right. Cause she'll think it's an amazing date. And I thought, Oh, that's her. That's actually really good advice. Right. Um, be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now there's, you know, that's rooted somewhere else for those who know, right? Be quick to listen, slow to speak. Mm -hmm. But the whole point of, or, or OODA loop, I don't care, take OODA loop, okay? Observe, orient, decide, act, right? OODA loop is all about this too, right? That's the Air Force training, right? You know, Colonel Boyd, right? So what do you need to do is when you go into a situation, I don't care if it's personal, professional, et cetera, I'm typically the last guy to speak. Why am I the last guy to speak? Because I want to hear what everybody else's thoughts are. Because everybody else thinks they're a problem solver, right? So my job is to lead, okay? As a leader, I might not have all the answers. My job is to understand how to navigate the team, okay? And everybody has a skill set on that team. That's why they're there. If they're, if they're there and don't bring a skill set, then they shouldn't be there, right? They're in the wrong fit. Wow. So the whole key is be quick to listen, slow to speak, or OODA, right? People ask me this all the time. When I go into a new setting, Mike, I don't really know how to fit in. I go, just, just deploy the OODA loop, man. Just go in and observe. You're in a foreign country. You're in a new company. Okay, observe. Who are the players? Who are the ones? Who are the friendlies? Who are the enemies, right? Figure this out, okay? Orient yourself. Figure out what your strength is there, right? Start to make decisions off of the things that you've observed, Okay, and then begin to act on those. And your whole goal is to help the company achieve its mission, its vision. Okay, mm. so mm. quick to listen, slow to speak. That's your secret in life. Stop being the first guy to talk. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and you just brought up something. Don't think you got to have all the answers. Yeah, yeah, I won't. yeah, yeah. Yeah, last I checked, 
I don't have JC as my initials. So right, come on, right? come on. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, it's fascinating, Mike, because I, you know, my son and I got into a conversation this morning about, you know, I always use leadership. I talk about my time being on a team in special forces. And I said, man, you talk about intimidating. You know, you graduate the course, you walk on the team, you know, the Green Beret, you know, and you got all this yeah. stuff going on. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because you bring up a lot of that, man. Look, I'm going to start slowing down and let my son get to some of the final questions because because I don't know if you got you got a hard stop at the top of the hour. I don't. I could go a little longer if you guys want. It's all good. Okay. But, you know, I, I don't know what your audience can tolerate. I don't know if they're, you know. Uh, yeah, we probably will go about 15 more minutes. I got to get this question and get this kind of good. You got me going, Mike. I mean, you know, you got me going, brother, on this stuff. And I want to get your take on this. Yeah. We talk about leadership. And I talk about one of the most intimi uh, intimidating uh parts of my, my my life you know you graduate the special forces qualification course you get on a, a special forces a team on a team you got all these quote experts you got a medic you got an engineer you got a yeah. combo guy you got a weapons guy i was a weapons guy and all these guys are going through so much training to be that you know yeah. the medic is pretty much one of the smartest guys i've ever met on a special forces a team this guy's went through two years of real life stuff keeping things alive you know and yeah. he's the real deal period. Yeah. no doubt about it and all these guys but what i learned was how you get people to work together and listen to them okay take suggestions and kind of as a leader come up with that talk about man just running a team of any kind of team because if, if we're in leadership we're going to be over a team so yeah. one would be how do you make those members feel like you respect them uh how do you make them feel like 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 they're a part of it but still as a leader being able to make the final decision go through that process yeah you. yeah so it's great so it starts with the one team one fight mentality okay so that's really where it starts right so if you look at a military principle or if you look at a military saying right um one team one fight so that means we all have to be moving towards the same vision or mission, right? So why are you here on this team? Because you bring something that's going to help us help accomplish that mission, right? Now, if you remember the story I told about the janitor, right? Remember? Sweeping floors, mopping floors, right? When the president asked him, what's your job? What, what did he say? It wasn't Mr. President, my job is to sweep floors and mop the floors. What did he say? My job is to help put a man on the moon. Right. Right. That's leadership. Okay. So when I'm working with teams, they, everybody's got their skill set. They need to understand what their job is. Their job is X to help put a man on the moon. Right. That's their job. Right. So how is it that what I'm doing right now, how does it help me put a man on the moon? Listen, it's important that everything's clean. It's important that everything is efficient. It's important that everything's in order. That's you. By you doing that, it helps us accomplish this. That's the leader's job, is to add value to people's lives. That's the job of a leader, is to help them not only add value to people's lives, but understand their value to the mission. Okay? Mm. Oh, I'm just a mess cook. Are you kidding? Mm. You're just a mess cook? Dude, you put fuel in our war machines. Mm. Without you, that doesn't work. Right. So people mm. have to understand that. That I mean, God said he goes, you know, the, the, the hand isn't more important than the foot. Right? It's the body. And we lose sight of that so often. We're like, well, you know, the eyes are the most important. Well, are they? I mean, they play a good role. Mm. Right. Wow. But wow. that's the piece that people have to understand. And as a leader, my job is to help you understand your value to the mission and the purpose. That's why wow. I have to be slow to speak. Mm. Man, right. I love this. I got to get to one of these questions. I always love to ask a leader like yourself. Mike, no one makes it to the top of the mountain by themselves, right? Yeah. If, if you were to ask me a question about who are some of the leaders I had, and I could pop them off by name and tell you, this guy changed my life because of this. This person changed my life because of that. If you don't mind, brother, talk about a couple of leaders or how, how many you want to talk about that you can look back at your life now and say, you know what? 
and you already mentioned a couple of them, but but there may be some more that you want to mention. Talk about how they changed your life specifically. Yeah, so um, my best friend, Brian, who retired out as a colonel in the Army, um, he changed my life simply because I really didn't understand what it meant to have a long-term friendship. You know, growing up in the military, you're in that military environment moving a lot, right? You know, you kind of move around and you get really good at meeting people, but you never go deep, right? And so he was the first person I really went deep with and understand what it really means to have deep relationship, okay? Changed my life. Uh, my friend, Jim, uh, Jim Canfield believed in me, believed in my business. He was the one that taught me the rule of five, absolutely changed my life, right? Buzz Leonard, he changed it by just saying, never forget to count your blessings, right? Okay, that, that changed my life. I mean, the, these are just small things, but these are micro wins. And if, if I think all of us look back in our life, we go, what are the micro wins in my life? Right? Mm -hmm. We're always looking at the problems, but what are the micro wins on a daily basis? We can say, you know what? Um, I'm really grateful for this, mm -hmm. right? I'm really grateful for this. Chris Nolan changed my life, you know, getting me into the film industry. Like I, you know, people go to school for this stuff and he dragged me in it. And, you know, here I am, and it's, you know, this is a film that I believe will change 100 million people. I believe it will give them the, the ability to think outside the box, which you talked about earlier, Ranger, which is, how do you get people to think outside the box? I get them to believe in themselves. So you got to believe that you're here for a reason. Like, God put you on the planet. You woke up today, and you're not done. Mission's not done yet. Okay, so right. believe in you. I was trying to calm down, brother. I'm sorry. I'm you got me worked up, brother. I'm trying. I'm sitting here trying to be professional. You, you, you hit me with haymakers, brother. This is just fascinating, man. But we're at that point. I'm gonna have to let my son ask because I can tell right now. You know, it's funny. You know, it's our first time meeting each other. Yeah. But you, know, you meet guys. You said, man, I could talk to that dude for five hours and it wouldn't get bored, right? This is just fascinating. Oh, we'd have a good time. Yeah, like you, you've already like I went to Louisiana. I thought I'll never come back here because the ocean <laughs> is going to sweep over this state like tomorrow. Right. There, there ain't no boundaries between the ocean and Louisiana. I mean, it's like yeah, it, the ocean uh, sneezes and that place is gone. But like I'd yeah. fly down to Louisiana. I'd, I'd fly into Georgia again just to spend yeah. time because it's relationship. Yeah. That's how we change the world is one person at a time. Being more relational. I might be hitting so much, man about the relationships you built over the lifetime and over the years and the connections with people. And, you know, it's, it's amazing you're saying that one of the guys that I used to listen to in motivational speaking, he used to say, the more relational you are to more people, the more people you can affect. Yeah. Right. The more relational. All right, son, come on up. I got to stop. I'm stopping myself. You know, I'm an I'm old preacher. So it's like, <laughs> it's like Mike, when the, when the, when the pastor on Sunday says, my final point, what does that mean? Nothing. So That's I'm going right. to put my thing on mute so I can just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> my mission, purpose, identity. Yes, sir. That's, you know, it's, it's amazing to really just hear what you shared. And I've heard that so many times just when it comes to veterans being so used to having that mission. I think it's one of those things that a civilian, you know, I personally didn't serve. Uh, but, you know, growing up with my dad, he, he actually has a few books and one of them, Find Your Passion. And, you know, hearing that all my life, it was one of those things that, hey, you know, you, you got you to gotta have a passion. You got to have something you're going after and something that you're about. And it's something that most people don't realize the importance of. So what you're doing with Operation Military Families is just is huge. You, you, you're changing lives in your book. And I know it's really great. Uh, please t tell everybody again where, you, where they can find you, what your books are. We, we love to make sure we share that again. Yeah, I mean, you just put in Operation Military Family in Google and you can find me. You'll probably find my LinkedIn profile, um, everything at Operation Military Family, the books. You know, you can find that on Amazon, et cetera. I mean, all that stuff is there. I encourage people to reach out, Gino. Like, you know, yeah. if you want to be friends, let's be friends. Like, I'm, I'm cool with it. If you want to have a conversation, let's do it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here to help change the world like everybody else is. Wow. Right? Yeah. In some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, you know, reach out. 
you are, it's not like you already answered the question that I have for you, our last question. And, you know, talking about mission and purpose and identity. I mean, I know you, you probably have a pretty, you probably have your, your the answer to this question just in your head always. You, you know the exact answer to it. But, you know, uh, the question we always ask at the end of our interviews is, you know, when your life is over, what do you want to be remembered for? Well, uh, what do I, helping people understand their purpose. Wow. It, awesome. That's it. You know, it's not the amount of money I make. It's not, you know, it, it's really, uh, you know, and we should do this earlier, right? We should all have like eulogy parties before we die, mm. right? So that people understand our impact because I don't think enough people like, you know, when you're in the service industry, Gino, sometimes it's really hard because you don't know the lives you're impacting. I remember mm. Buzz sat me down at the fire pit this two weeks ago and he goes, I think sometimes you forget the amount of lives that you impact. Mm, yeah i'm like i guess i do you know i don't even think about it right you know it's not like i'm tallying i don't know you know right so what type of legacy do you want to live mm -hmm. right so yeah. if i can help people understand their purpose like why am i here mm -hmm. and it could be I, i'm you're just here to be the best mom ever you're just here to be the best dad the best spouse the best you know stop thinking that you got to be the six or seven figure paid CEO. Yeah. Like maybe it's like, well, my job is to make sure that I grow young adults into being amazing human beings so that they can stand on the shoulders of giants. That's my job. Wow. It's my wife's job. Mm -hmm. She loves it. She's brilliant at it. So that's incredible. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Mike, man, you guys Google operation, military families, check out Mike his books and uh, man, Find your why, find your passion, find out yeah. what your purpose here is and uh, yeah, get after it. So thanks so much, Mike, man. It's been an honor and a, ple a pleasure and a privilege to really hear you and uh, really do this interview with you. Well, I'm honored. Thank you both, Roger, Gino. Thank you. Honored to be on your show. Thank you, sir. With that, I'll go ahead and pass over to my dad to close it out. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm so fired today, man. I got, I, I mean, if you could see the smoke come out my ears and top of my head, man, Mike has put me on fire. I had a, I had, I had a country preacher, preacher say, you don't get on fire, you're on fire. One word, on fire, right? On fire. One word, on fire, right? So, look, I'm going to finish this uh, out like I always do, telling everybody that watches Convo with the Heroes to stay in the fight!